Welcome to another episode of the Polly Rob Podcast. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Make sure y'all go subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well as SoundCloud. We are now on Stitcher Radio. We are now on Spotify. Make sure you go subscribe on Spotify because I know y'all got Spotify accounts. So make sure y'all check us out on that. And uh, I appreciate y'all for tuning in, man. This is what I do, man. Making sure I give y'all podcasts that y'all can tune into. The topics that people don't want to talk about that I like to talk about. So, you know, we're going to get it moving, man. I got my medicine ball. It is the morning, so I got my medicine ball. And uh, I'm happy. You know what I mean? I appreciate everybody <clears throat> for having a good day today. Today is Veterans Day. So make sure you salute all the veterans via social media. If you got a veteran that's in your household, make sure you call them and, you know, salute them. Please salute him. My dad uh, was in the military, so I made sure I gave him a call and saluted him and said, Happy Veterans Day, Daddy. And if you want, um, we can go get some Belizean food, whatever. So make sure you do that. Happy Veterans Day to all the veterans. I feel like I'm kind of like getting to that veteran status in the music industry. So happy, happy Veterans Day to me as well. Um, so the topic that I want to talk about today... Um, I actually got this topic from uh, one of my colleagues. Uh, shout out to Jocelyn. She's a big supporter of the podcast. And uh, I got this topic from her. <clears throat> um, I want to talk about the six songs that changed my life. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the six songs that changed my life. Let me explain what that is. Um, there are certain records, a part of my life that does something to me mentally, spiritually, when I hear them, when I listen to them. And I know everybody got those particular records that they, uh, remember some type of uh, event or situation or memory, uh, whether it's good or bad, or um, it's a record that kind of shaped um, the way that they think, the way that they move, the way that they do certain things in the world. Um, so I want to talk about mine because uh, hopefully it'll inspire you guys to write down or think about those songs that really changed your life. So I want to talk about mine and, uh, you know, let's get right to it. Um, the first record. Now, keep in mind that these records are not in order. These records are not in no specific order. Um, but I do want to talk about uh, certain points of my life um, per each record so I can get a better understanding of uh, what it's done for me. You know what I mean? But it's not in any specific order. Um, it's not rated uh, top six songs uh, uh, that I've ever listened to. These are just six songs that change the nature of my life and how I do what I do. So, the first record. The first record is called 
Brooklyn Zoo by Old Dirty Bastard. Brooklyn Zoo by Old Dirty Bastard. Now, everybody knows um, that I'm from Brooklyn. Uh, you know, I, I lived in New York uh, for half my life. I lived the other half in, you know, L.A. in Inglewood. Um, but if y'all know me, y'all know that the soul of who I am and how I operate is like a Brooklyn head. I don't do things the L.A. way. Um, so... Me being a young kid um, in New York, you know, one of the biggest things is trying to figure out how to maneuver and how to uh, survive, you know, in the New York streets. Very big thing. It's a very big thing everywhere. But for Brooklyn, it's really distinctive because it's not just about, um, you know, physically being tough. It's not about, um, you know, just trying to stay away from the bullshit. A lot of times it's about being able to see things for what they are um, and not what they appear to be. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, me being a young a young dude in New York, uh, I got hip to music real early. You know, people playing it. This is around... Uh, you know, for me, getting started on listening to music was around like 88, 89, 90. You know what I mean? Listening to a lot of different, you know, music, uh, hip hop. But I also listen to reggae. I also listen to old school. Like my family would listen to so much different types of music. You know what I mean? Um, but for me, um, the first records that kind of cling to me was like Onyx, you know what I'm saying? Um, Rakim, Cling To Me. Uh, these are like the first records that I was able to identify with for myself. And then uh, Wu-Tang came along, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Protect Your Neck, Method Man, um, you know, the whole 36 Chambers album, you know what I mean? Uh, and then, you know, respectfully, Method Man came out with his solo album, and all that shit blew me away. Um, and then just this weird, crazy dude named Old Dirty Bastard, you know, came on the scene and dropped this record called Brooklyn Zoo. This is like 92, 93. Um, and it was so gritty. It was so dirty. And this is the time where, you know, where, where, where uh, Rap City was out. So I got a chance to actually see the video. And the first version of the video, he did it in the Project Hallways. The whole video was in the Project Hallways with him rapping, you know, Couple of his niggas in, in the background doing their thing, meth in the background, Riza in the background, uh, uh, Jizza, uh, You God. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is what we do. I'm talking about me and my friends that I'm growing up with. We doing this. This is what we doing. We in the hallways every day. Beating on the walls, talking shit, 
You know what I'm saying? Having a good time, doing a, doing our thing. You know what I'm saying? Passing by time. This is what we do. And I saw uh, a group and an artist that I idolized at the time do the same thing. His flow is so unorthodox. The level of his voice going, you know, from low to high to very pitch high. Um, the lyrics of what he's talking about, you know what I mean? Um, just the, the the chorus. Shame on you when you step through to the old dirty bastard, Brooklyn Zoo. And this is the first time that I've heard, that I've ever heard Brooklyn being referenced as a zoo. Now, the thing that shocked me was from me loving the song so much, I still never realized what Brooklyn Zoo meant until later on, probably like later on in the year. And one of my friends, shout out to Papa, uh, his name was Sherelle, but everybody called him Papa, um, his older cousin explained to me uh, what Brooklyn Zoo meant. And, you know, it, it was a common concept of people in Brooklyn, you know, it's it's like the zoo. Like you got the, 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 the heavy lions, you got the aggressive lions, you got the, uh, uh, you know, uh, tigers that's moving around, moving the way they do. Then you got, you know what I'm saying, the monkeys that's, being on some other shit, doing what they doing, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, swinging and lurking and figuring out what's going on. Then you got the snakes, you know what I'm saying? That's sitting there in the grass, you know, they want to get you at, at the time of uh, a moment when it's real, you know what I'm saying? They want to tackle you, boom, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, you got, you got all these different types of, you know, people that's moving so many different ways, so it's like Brooklyn is like a zoo. Like you got to really keep an eye out. You know what I mean? You got to really keep an eye out of what's going on. You got to see how people move, see how people do their thing. And when she uh, when she told me that, because it was a girl, you know what I'm saying? She was a tomboy. Shout out to Mutter. If you're ever listening, yo, shout out to you. Um, When she said that, immediately it resonated with me. And from then on, everything was like, let me watch this person and see how they move. Let me see how they do their thing. Because this might be uh, somebody that I, I might not want to be around so much. Or this might be somebody that I do might want to uh, be around a lot. But let me watch them. Let me watch them like I do a zoo. You know what I'm saying? And every time that song play in my head, every time I hear it, I go crazy because it takes me back to that moment where I figured out what that meant. And now just throughout my whole life, like I think of everything as a zoo now. You know what I'm saying? You know, I think of everything like a zoo, like you got to watch how people move, watch how they do their thing because at any given time, if that animal get loose, you got to know how to maneuver between them. My boy Baju told me uh, a quick little story 
um, about uh, one of our friends. Uh, she lives in Atlanta, and uh, shout out to Maisha. And um, one day, she was at the house with her sister, and uh, you know, deers, you know, deers are big out there in Atlanta. Like they'll just run by and stuff like that. They'll pull up, they'll pull up in your backyard and whatever. So, um, he was telling me the story about how a deer came in her backyard. Normally, like what, like they would do. Her sister um, was not from, you know, Atlanta, or she didn't live there. She lived, she lived out here in, uh, I believe, like Long Beach or something like that. Um, so her thing was, we she saw the deer. So the first thing that she did was drop dead, play dead. And, you know, Maisha was like, girl, if you don't get up, like, that's not, that's not what you do when you see a deer. You don't just drop dead. You know what I'm saying? It's other things that you do. And I'm saying that to say, you know, when you out here dealing with a lot of these people, it's like the zoo. Like, when they get loose, you got to know how to maneuver and, you know, figure out how they are and what they into or, you know what I mean? So you can protect yourself at the same time of being able to interact with nature itself, you know? And that's what the record Brooklyn Zoo did for me because the first thing was, you know, the video of him rapping in the project hallways, I identified with that. And then there was a second version of the video where he actually created a storyline um, almost like, um, uh, like a, a like a, a, a Italian mafia, you know what I'm saying? Koreatown, Asian type of storyline where he was the boss and he was going to see some other bosses and this shit got hectic. And it's the same type of thing. You have to know how to maneuver, you know, in these streets and when you're dealing with different people, you know what I mean? So that record, Brooklyn Zoo, did a lot for me. And still to this day, when I hear it, you know what I mean? It does a, a hell of a lot for me. Um, so the second record I want to talk about, make sure every record that I'm saying, make sure y'all go listen to these records so y'all can see how I'm <laughs> sort of how I'm put together. <laughs> the second record. Second record. Um, Ribbon in the Sky. Ribbon in the Sky by Stevie Wonder. This record did a lot for my mental in terms of uh, what a relationship is. What a relationship can become. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Every time I hear this record, I cry. Pretty much almost every time. I try to hold it back depending on who's in the room. But this record makes me cry because this record is a direct connection um, to my moms and my pops being married. Uh, first marriage and second marriage. Uh, they, um, they was married for so many years they got divorced and they 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 had the privilege once again um to get remarried 
And that was a great thing. Um, so this record is a direct connection to uh, my mom and my pop's uh, marriage itself. So, you know, the lyrics in the song, uh, you know, from the chorus to, to the, you know, the original verse and vocals, you know, Stevie talks about, um, you know, when he's away from the one that he loves, when there's other things going on, um, when the world seems so far, he just looks and it's a ribbon in the sky. And that ribbon symbolizes whatever the love is, it can withstand with whatever's going on in the world. And let's talk about that for a minute. Because in my brain, that's how I feel like that's what I feel real love is. Real love is, is something that no matter what's going on in the world, it can, it can survive through. It can survive through whatever's going on in the world. I'm not going to get into detailed lyrics because for me to get into detailed lyrics is for me to know exactly what these artists um, meant when they said it. I'm not going to do that because I don't know. I only know how I interpret the feeling of hearing these records. So my parents, first time uh, marriage was married for like 20 plus years. And in that stint, in that time frame, um, of course they had their ups and downs. But the one thing that they've always uh, stuck with each other was um, first was making sure that our family was always straight, making sure that the kids were good, which was me, my brother, my sister. Um, but on top of that, they had this undying dedication to each other. And that's what I want to talk about. The undying dedication to each other. My dad was a hardworking man. My mom was a hardworking woman. But they both dealt with things differently. My dad was very aggressive. My mom would show a lot of compassion, which I feel like uh, is a perfect you know, match and, and perfect team to be able to raise children. And then it got to a point where we were old enough. We were old enough. We were old enough to uh, take care of ourselves. We were old enough to get jobs. We were old enough to um, live life how we felt it needed to be um, lived. But in the midst of that, my parents still kept this undying love for each other, even though, you know, times they argued, even though times they um, didn't see eye to eye. It was always like my mom would be fussing at my dad. And then at the end of the, uh, uh, of the argument, it's like, do you want something to eat? You ready to eat? And then my dad would be fussing with my mom. And then at the end of that conversation or debate or argument, he'll be like, 
okay, so you still need that money uh, to go to the store or do whatever. Um, and even after the 20 years of marriage, they got divorced. It ended up quite bad because um, both parties did some did some terrible things. Um, it was still, okay, we're still going to do for our kids, of course, number one. And number two, I still want to make sure you're all right. Um, they move on different coasts. My dad uh, on, on the West Coast, my mom on the East Coast. Um, I went with my mom uh, back to the East Coast uh, with my brother and my, my sister stayed with my dad. But still, all in all, it was when the conversations came together, it was always, yo, you know, ask your mama if she needs something. If she's okay, they would have phone conversations about that. And that's what I mean by the ribbon. And Stevie Wonder's ribbon in the sky. I personified the ribbon with being the love that can withstand anything, no matter no matter where it goes. A ribbon is 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 in the wind. If the wind is blowing hard, it's in the wind, it's going. If it's blowing light, it's just floating. But no matter what, the ribbon's not going to break. The ribbon's not going to deteriorate. The ribbon is not going to uh, uh, rip up or be destroyed in the midst of any storm or any anything that's happening in the world. And that's the best thing about my parents' marriage for the first and second. Um they always kept this love with each other that was ne- that was undying and whether they were still un- in love with each other or not they always was at a point where even still now to this day it's like yo if any time they need something i got them if my mom needs something my dad got her if my dad needs something my mom got her no questions asked I don't care if they both got in relationships, they both married with somebody else. It don't matter. It's going to always be love. And with the second marriage, after they got divorced, they end up getting remarried because 9-11 happened. And I was out there with my mom. And uh, luckily, my mom uh, got out of, um, never went to work when the World Trade Center was going down. She worked at World Trade 7. Um, and by the grace of God, you know, she didn't go to work, so she's still alive to this day. So she wanted to change, uh, change the scenery because, you know, her job is gone, of course. Uh, they have to rebuild. She wanted to change the scenery, so we uh, moved my mom uh, back out to L.A. And then, long story short, they rekindled um, their relationship and got remarried a second time. Now, with this remarriage, I got a chance to see my mom and my dad get married. That does a lot for me because it's one thing to see. I've been to uh, a couple of weddings and I've seen people get married, which is a beautiful thing. Love it. Which I will have uh, myself 
uh, soon enough. But to see your parents, to see the people who've birthed you get married, it's a whole nother ball game. It's a whole nother ball game. Let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm the first to tell you I'm an emotional person. When I tell you I cried all the way from putting my tuxedo on, all the way in the car, all the way to me sitting down, all the way to my mom coming down the aisle, all the way to my dad coming down the aisle, all the way to them saying I do, all the way to kissing the bride, all the way to the reception, all the way back home. I cried the whole time because I got a chance to see the two people who not only birthed me, but the two people who showed me what love is first before anybody. The two people who showed me what love can be. I got a chance to see them get married and speak their vows and promise to themselves that they will always be okay in the midst of whatever. That did a lot for me because in relationships that I look for, I like to make sure that we keep the bond of whatever we got going. I want to keep that strong. If that doesn't stay strong, then I'm I'm out of there. I'm going to be 100. If the bond between us, like how we were friends, if it doesn't stay strong during the relationship, I'm out of there. And I know that I kind of have a short Achilles heel because I've seen my mom and my dad be so great in their marriage. That's what I look for in my relationships. I'm not budging unless I see that in a relationship that I'm in and continue to see that. That's important to me. I don't play around with the love shit because I love hard as I feel like anybody who does love should do. So the song Ribbon in the Sky for me personifies the idea of what the love that me and someone that I choose should have in the midst of the whole storm, good and bad. That's what that Stevie Wonder record means to me. And it changed my idea of what love should really be because I feel like Love should move past the concept of whether you guys are still together or not. My parents are not married anymore. They divorced the second time, but they divorced the second time in the idea of, man, we already love each other and that's never going to change. But respectively, because we're both retired, 
My mom wanted to explore other things and my dad wanted to explore other things as well. So they respectfully divorced. And I respect that. But the main thing is being able to love somebody and understand what that love is past you guys being together or past the concept of you having to have the relationship with each other in order for things to go right. So that record Ribbon in the Sky is a big thing for me. Um, The third record, the third record on my list. Keith Murray. Let's talk about Keith Murray. The most beautifulest thing in this world is just like that. I get in you. Keith Murray is third on my list, but it's not in order, but this is third. The most beautifulest thing in this world was a combination between funk bass, hip-hop drums, complex wordplay, and a smooth hook. Let me say that again, because I don't think y'all got it. The most beautifulest thing in this world was a combination between funk bass, funk bass, hip-hop drums, complex wordplay and lyricism, and a smooth hook. A very difficult thing to do. Shout out to Eric Sermon, the producer on that record. It's very hard for you to think about another record who has that has all those elements a part of it. Keith Murray was a prolific lyricist. And Eric Sermon being the genius that he is, understood that As complex as he is, there are other elements a part of the song that needs to resonate with other listeners in order for them to get it, even if they don't get the lyricism. Even if they don't get the wordplay, they can still groove to the record. The bass. And he used a sample. I can't remember what sample he used right now. Look that up. The hip hop drums. Crazy. Some of the drum patterns that I use to this day. The most beautifulest thing in this world is just like that. Like back in the days, if if uh, TV and film was on hip hop as heavy as they're on right now, the most beautifulest thing in this world would be played constantly right now. 
constantly. The stuff that he was saying was so ill. To break down lyrics is for me to go all fucking night. I don't want to do that. My podcast is not even that long. But I want to tell you why the most beautifulest thing in this world changed my life. First off, when I heard the record, I was in the process of wanting to be some type of an artist, period. Certain records like that made me understand that you didn't have to rap about gangsterism, rap about love. You could just get off lyrically and impose something to the people. I wasn't no gangster. I'm not no gangster. At that time, I wasn't, a, you know, dealing with a bunch of girls and shit like that. At that time, it changed. But I was into lyrics. I was into the full fascination of hip hop. And later on now with me becoming a producer, I later on understood how important those blends, those elements of that song meant. Funk bass, something that Eric Sermon used um, outside of Dr. Dre and Warren G and DJ Quick. Eric Sermon was one of the very few cats on the East Coast that would use funk bass and all that funky shit that Parliament and them would do. Hip-hop drums, the East Coast hip-hop drums, which I use still to this day, break beats. That's a part of my production packet. The complex wordplay artists that the one of the biggest things in hip hop is taking an East Coast artist and putting them on uh, a, a, a West Coast driven type track. The funk bass is what made it kind of West Coast. And the chorus, the most beautifulest thing in this world, it's just like that. It's just simple. It's simple. It's easy. That's what the West Coast was on. Simple shit. And it caught everybody. Boom. Caught everybody. Those elements is, those are elements that I put a part of my repertoire now when I'm, when I produce records, when I put stuff together. And what he was saying on there was just, it was just over the top lyricism. It's still lyrics that people are still getting to this day because of that record. You catching up to the shit now. You know what I mean? The other thing is uh, I always identified uh, Keith Murray like with how my brother looked. You know what I'm saying? Skinny nigga. You know what I'm saying? Uh, brown skin uh, with a fade and big ears. That was That's my brother. I love him to death, but that's my brother. You know what I'm saying? Like my brother, Brian, shout out to Brian. Um, every time I looked at my brother, I, I, I immediately identified him with Keith Murray. So it instantly, because he's my bigger brother, it, most beautifulest thing instantly became my favorite record. 
And at that time, when we bought the uh, when we bought the tape, we bought the single was the tape, and the B side was Herb is pumping. So if y'all ever got the tape of Keith Murray, most beautifulest thing in this world, the other side is Herb is pumping. The B side is Herb is pumping. We wore that motherfucking tape out. We wore that tape out constantly. And now when I hear it, three things I hear. Well, three things happen to me. It, first, it makes me want to make beats. Second, it makes me want to rap again, which I rarely do. And that's a songwriting. And last, it reminds me of my brother. You know, and from instantly I, I miss my brother. I could talk to him, you know, now and then I play the record and instantly I miss my brother. So most beautifulest thing in this world. It did a lot for me production wise. And it reminds me of my brother for sure. Um, Number four. Let's get to number four. Um, number four is a record that kind of imposes a, a, a sad um, aura about it, but it's not too sad. Number four is John Mayer, slow dancing in a burning room. John Mayer, slow dancing in a burning room. Now, when I heard this song for the first time, the first thing that gravitated towards me was just the guitar action. The guitar action was cold. And then John Mayer's voice, which I've heard a bunch of records from him already, but this record stood out because in the time of what I was doing, I was in a relationship with my son's mother and um, we were in the midst of having our first child, Makai. Shout out to my babies, Makai and Zai. But this is when we was in the midst of having our first child, Makai. And when I heard this song, I didn't realize what it was doing to me at first. Um, it's very slow, very melodic, very dim but it had a lot of great riffs and the great runs to it. So that's why I cling to the record. The song is about a relationship going from mediocre to worse. And eventually understanding that the relationship is already over. Now you guys are just being there to be there. That's what the concept of slow dancing in a burning room is for. It's like you slow dancing, everything around y'all is crumbling, but y'all just feel like y'all need to be there to be there. Now, I didn't understand mentally what this record was doing. And this record... Now that I think about it, this record set our faith. 
for our relationship. Because that's exactly what happened. The funny thing about it, crazy thing, is at the time when I was listening to the records, you know, ringtones was big. Ringtones was very big. So what I did was, uh, at first, I had the first record, uh, Your Body is a Wonderland by John Mayer. I made that my ringtone. And then because I heard Slow Dance in the Burning Room and I liked it, I just checked to see if it was a ringtone. And it was. So I made that a ringtone. I made Slow Dancing in the Burning Room a ringtone. And I didn't realize what the fuck I was doing. So every time somebody would call my phone, you would hear this. We going down. And you can see it soon. We going down. And you know that we're doomed. My dear, we're slow dancing in a burning room. Every time my phone rang. Every time. She hated that song. She hated that song. And me being naive to the fact, I'm not realizing what that's doing to us. We arguing, we fighting, not saying that that's the sole thing, but it's just one of those inadvertent things that just lurks around. And I realized what it did. That was a terrible ringtone choice. I have to admit that was a terrible Ringtone choice. I don't know why I picked that. We would get into arguments. We we financially, I wasn't ready. We wasn't ready. And it was bad. And and I had to crawl back from that. She had to crawl back from that. And we ended up in a relationship and becoming co-parents. So every time I hear that record. The first thing I think about is me and my son's mother's relationship. Which I did some bad shit during the course of that, that I'm not proud of at all. But although I still love the song, I realized what that did for me in my psyche. And I apologize for that. I definitely apologize for that. Let's move on to number five. Number five, uh, a song which uh, poses as a dream for me. It poses as something that I definitely want to do. And this record gives me a good feeling about going to do that. Number five is Africa by D'Angelo. It's also one of my favorite songs, too. Africa by D'Angelo. This song is off of the Voodoo album, which is the second album, which I feel like that is the best D'Angelo album. Anybody that want to argue with me, 
See me on Facebook. See me on Instagram. We can argue. D'Angelo Voodoo is the best D'Angelo album ever. Argue with me if you want to. The song Africa is the last song on the project, although there are a lot of amazing records on there. Africa stands out to me because first, let's talk about the tone of the song. Very melodic. Although it's the song is titled Africa, it has some crazy space sounds and pads a part of it. Combined with African percussion. Which I felt like was genius. Because the production. Imposed. Oh, how was talking to me. It talked to me like. Although Africa is a tangible place on earth. It's magically out of this world. Let me say it again. Although Africa is a tangible space on this earth. The production was built like it was a magical place that was out of this world. And I love that about D'Angelo. Love that. Because we all should be thinking about Africa in that manner. Although you can fly to it. It's still a heavenly place. It's still a heavenly place. The words he was speaking. Africa is my descent. Sometimes I want to go home. He was talking about the whole experience of being in Africa and going to Africa. And and, and let me just add, he did voodoo in Africa. He did voodoo the whole album in Africa. Well, majority of the album, I would say. That was a big thing because the feeling, the aura, the the whole vibe of it is so magical. I actually believe that he should have got a Grammy for voodoo instead of the third album, which I'm glad he got a Grammy for the third album, Black Messiah. But he's definitely... If you get a if you get a Grammy for Black Messiah, you definitely should get a a Grammy for uh, Voodoo for sure. So, which brings me to my reason. Um, I feel like going to Africa is definitely on my list. In terms of production. I feel like the pad sounds that he used is 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 the method that I take when I want to make you know beautiful R&B contemporary soul music. So, when you listen to a lot of my production, a lot of pad sounds are a part of it to kind of bring out the feeling and the aura of it. And the last thing is I just feel like with that song I feel like there's something more to the world than what we do. Like for me, there's something more to the world past what I'm experiencing right now. So I need to go out there and experience it. I need to go out there and witness whatever that is. That's what I feel when I hear 
the record Africa by D'Angelo on the Voodoo album is I feel like it's something about that song that makes me want to explore and experience more. And I feel like everybody should have a particular song that makes you do that. Africa is the one for me by D'Angelo. Make sure you check that record out. It feels beautiful for me. The last record before I get out of here. The last record that changed my life. The last record is not even a record. It's a full album. I got to switch it up, y'all. I got to switch it up. The last record is a full album. It's a full album that changed my life. Let me explain why. I was going to name a song on this album. But when I named that song in my head, I named another song on the album in my head. Then I named another song. Then I, named another, I end up naming damn near the whole album in my head. Because they all gave me the same feeling and the same element. So I had to name the entire fucking album. I'm sorry. I can cheat. I can cheat and do that. It's my podcast. I can do it. Number six, before we get out of here, it comes no other than my favorite rapper of all time, Raekwon. Only built for Cuban links. Let me say it again. Raekwon featuring Ghostface. Only built for Cuban links. First off, this album features Ghostface, which we all felt like there was a tandem anyway. But this is the first time that I've experienced, maybe not y'all, but I've experienced somebody say, nah, it's my album, but I'm featuring my mans on it. My mans is going to be on the majority of the records. That was heavy for me because it's like, nah, I'm, put, I'm putting my mans on at the same time. I'm giving them light, which over the course of the future spewed over into Iron Man and spewed over into uh, Supreme Clientele and, and Bulletproof Wallets and all of that, which which Iron Man birthed Capadonna and Capadonna went off. Do, it, it did so much just off of that one thing. Put your man's on, man. Put your man's on, number one. Only built for Cuban links. Raekwon, my favorite rapper of all time. Let's just say that album changed the way I talk. It changed my language. It changed the way I communicate with folks. When my Brooklyn accent comes out, it comes out because of that record. Of course, living there, of course. But Cuban links gave me a higher understanding of why our language is the way it is. 
There's certain things that we say. I call my brother's son because he shine like one. It's Cuban links, man. Records like Knowledge God. Why is my niggas always yelling that broke shit? Let's get money, son. Now you want to smoke shit. Chill, God. Yo, the sun don't chill a law. What's today's mathematics, son? Knowledge, God. Shout out to all my five percenters out there that's getting it. That's, te that's teaching the word. That's teaching the mathematics. That's teaching cats the true of living. You know what I'm saying? Big thing for me because as a little fat kid in Brooklyn, it gave me empowerment. It gave me empowerment where I didn't feel like I was the strongest. I didn't feel like I was I was the 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 cutest or sexiest nigga or whatever. But it gave me confidence to talk that shit. To talk that shit. You know what I mean? My thought process, you know, me being around a lot of five percenters shift a lot of it. But even past that, being able to think and have a way of life and a way of understanding that can carry you for years was important to me after this album. You know, there's a lot of people in this world where, you know, they, they change with the season. Some niggas is doing this, they're going to do that. Then they switch to doing this, the niggas is going to do that. Where Cuban links is like, nah, this is a way of life. This is a way of life that no matter what's going on in the world, this is your process. This is your thought process. This is your way of doing things. You know what I'm saying? Records like striving for perfection. Records like ice water. You know what I'm saying? Records like... uh. Heaven or hell. Heaven or hell was big for me. What do you believe in? Heaven or hell. You don't believe in heaven because we living in hell. So it's your life. That did a lot for me in them project hallways, man. A hell of a lot. Number six, I had to name the whole album. Only built for Cuban Links. The whole album changed my life, man. It changed the way I produce. A lot of the heavy hitting drums is because of Cuban links, you know, using rim shots, using snares. I do that because of that. Of course, there's tons of records before that that did it. Of course, I'm telling you why I start doing it. Why it's a part of my repertoire, why it's a part of what I do. You know what I'm saying? The samples that they use, the way they chop it, the way they cut it up. Before then, I never really heard, aside from like KRS, I never really heard somebody just sit down and just talk to niggas on records, man. That sit down and really talk to niggas. Before Ice Water. I don't want nobody biting my shit, man. I don't want to sound like no nigga on no album. The shit that's going on right now with Ghostface and Action Bronson 
Ray and Ghost said that shit on Cuban Links. Damn near 15 years ago. 20 years ago. Don't fucking sound like me, man. And 15, 20 years from now, it's a nigga that's disobeying what niggas said on that record 20 years ago. That's when you know you got a classic. On the intro, when Ray and Ghost was like, hey man, striving for perfection. Yo, check it out, God. This is my last time, God. I'm hanging this shit up if this shit don't work right here, God. That's niggas' language these days. That's how niggas move. This is my last fucking time. If this shit don't work, I'm out. You can transfer that to the music game, drug game, uh, anything. Transfer that language to anything. And it's valid right now. Niggas was up to date on all the fashion. I didn't even understand that part. I didn't understand what they was talking about at that part. It took me years to figure that out. Then the biggest thing for me is, it's the feeling, it's the cohesiveness of that project. It's the feeling of that whole entire record. That I'm still chasing to this day. The way that I engineer, the way that I mix and master those dirty elements, I keep that. Where it might it might have been a quality problem for them because of the equipment that was dated them days, is now a, a, a formula and a seasoning that we add and I add to the production. Because when you dirty it up, it sounds like a classic. I don't want it to sound all extra crispy and digital. I want to dirty that shit up a little bit, man. Dirty that shit up a little bit. That feeling of that album when you play it all the way through. I try to chase that feeling every day, every time I'm making records. I'm not talking about the sound. I'm not talking about mimicking the sound. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting the feeling. The feeling of how that record felt when it came across. The way the music translated with the people. That's the feeling I chase every time. Raekwon is my favorite rapper because he con constantly tries to excel on language, lyrics, and showing niggas something new for the culture. He may not be the best rapper alive or the best rapper in the game or whatever, but he's one of those most prolific where it's like when you need some real dope lines or you need a real solid project, you call that man. You call that man. The way that I talk, the way that I move, my thought process. And I figured out later on he was a Capricorn. So that mean a whole lot to me. Because we dreamers, because we see something different than what everybody else see. 
the album did a lot for me, man, and it's continuing to do a lot for me. Before I go to meetings, I throw on Cuban links to remind me of where I've been, where I'm going, and how I stand for certain shit that I stand for. That's important to me. In a nutshell, these records, these songs are songs that changed my life. Memories that changed my thought process of how I do shit and how I move. When y'all get a chance, man, listen to these records and listen to this podcast so you can tap into where my mind be when I listen to these songs. And I know everybody got a selection of records, man. Do me a favor, man. Get in my DMs. Get in my comments. Text me. Text me the records that changed your life, man. You ain't even got to text me why. Just text me the records that changed your life. Send me the records. DM me the records that changed your life. I just want to listen to them. If you tell me why, that's cool. I'm with that. I respect that. I love that. But I want to listen to them. I want to tap into y'all brain because y'all sat here with me and y'all tapped into mine. I appreciate that, man. So I want to tap into y'all, man. Hit me up, man. Make sure y'all subscribe. Subscribe to my podcast, man. This is the Poly Rob Podcast. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. You know what I'm saying? Yo, six songs that changed my life, man. Now, I want to know the five or six records that changed your life, man. So hit me however you can hit me, man. And make sure y'all keep subscribing on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud. We on Stitcher Radio. We on Spotify. And we on Google Play, too, man. Holler at us on all the platforms. It's the Potty Rob Podcast, man. I appreciate y'all, man. Peace.